Hello and welcome to Coach Rich Rants, real takes, raw feedback, unedited and unscripted views of what's happening in youth sports, in soccer, both in the U.S. and in my local community. I will be bringing to you different takes from the perspective of either a parent of an athlete, of a player, of a coach, or as a club director and administrator. Having worn every one of those hats, I'll try to bring to you these takes from each of those perspectives. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the latest edition of Coach Rich Rants. The topic of today's podcast is not about a rant in particular, but it's really about the impact that some coaches make on your life and how that can translate into your future in terms of how you live your life. If you find yourself around a good coach or a good role model who has provided inspiration or provided you with ways to resolve conflict, ways to overcome adversity, or even just quit or give up because those coaches are out there as well. I think as a coach, you have a responsibility to watch your words and your actions and, and what you do and say in front of, of kids that you coach because you are, in fact, their leader. Um, and at any age, really. So the way that you live your life as a coach and the and the example that you set for your players is being observed constantly by the kids that you coach, the, the kids that you interact with, and even their parents, your peers, and everybody around it. So one of the things about youth sports and youth coaching is that you really are more influential than you may ever imagine. And as an athlete, or even as a parent of an athlete, I think you ought to really consider the words that your coaches say, the way that your coaches prepare you, the way that your coaches discuss what happens when you didn't come out as a victorious team. Are you being yelled at by the coaching staff for failure to play well? Or are you being or using that loss as a lesson? Is there a positive that comes in to the postgame conversation um, that would help you to make sure that the next time that happens, you don't have a repeat of the situation. What has compelled me today to share this feedback is, for whatever reason, and I'm not even sure why, um, I've been thinking about a high school soccer coach that I had um, who has since passed away, unfortunately. But When I was, just to give some background on soccer in the community that I grew up in, which was in central Pennsylvania. Okay, so I'm in in my late 40s right now. So when I was a young, uh, you know, when I was in elementary school, a friend of mine um, introduced me to the game of soccer. His father was a coach. Uh, He worked with the local university. Uh, Another one of my friends, his father was the coach for the university. So we started playing soccer at the age of five or six in my friend's backyard just as like a fun thing to do. Nobody really knew what soccer was. Nobody knew really much about it. But we played in my friend's backyard. We started playing it at recess. And this group of parents, the coaches from the university and this group of parents, decided to start a youth soccer program. And I think we had a youth soccer program in my town when I was nine years old. Okay, so you would think, oh, gee. That's late to be starting, which is hilarious because back in the day, that wasn't too late at all. Um, But it was started with a 7 to 9 age group and a 9 to 12 age group. And that just shows how few players there were that actually knew and understood the game of soccer. Every coach was a volunteer. Very few had any experience 
at all with the sport. A lot of the coaches in our soccer were the Little League coaches. So it was very interesting in that we had Little League season in the spring and then soccer didn't start till the summer after Little League was over. Because many of the coaches were the same, they actually worked together to ensure, and was one field, by the way, they worked together to ensure that the baseball season and the soccer season didn't overlap. So that same thing happens as, and all of the coaches that we had were, again, volunteers that didn't know much about soccer, unless somebody maybe went to college in that town and came from out of the area that understood what soccer was, we would get lucky once in a while to have a coach who really understood the game. But most of the time, they didn't. And so uh, when I was in ninth grade, we still didn't have a soccer team, so I ran cross country. A lot of kids played football, cross country, whatever the fall sports were. And then at the time when I was in 10th grade, we hired a guy and started a club soccer program in my high school. And the guy's name was Steven Steffen. He came from a another school district where he had been a coach. He played on a national championship winning Division II soccer team. And he was just a great guy, family guy, brought his kids around uh, all the time. Um, and his kids were always at practice, which is great because his son grew up to be a heck of a a heck of a, a little soccer player. Uh, and, and his daughter grew up to be a great young woman. So a lot of respect for the coach and unfortunately passed away of, of an of an, uh, a rare liver disease that just took him way too fast. But one of the things that he said to us and he inspired within us um, was that um, he knew that we weren't going to be very good at soccer coming in. Right. And the parents had told him that it was a project. So here we are in 10th grade. We had ninth graders, 10th graders, 11th graders and 12th graders playing in the club soccer for the very first time. A lot of the kids have played in the youth program and some kids have gotten pretty good. Uh, I would say that on our high school soccer team, there were a handful of players that were were very good soccer players, maybe three or four. And there were a lot of kids that were just good athletes. And so knowing that our coach just you know, committed that we would be the most fit team. And so a lot of our, pri- our training sessions, especially in the summer when we did two-a-days, we didn't even use a soccer ball the first practice, the first two hours of the day. We ran and ran and ran and ran. And then even in the afternoon sessions, we played soccer, but we still ran a lot. And his whole thing was, you know, he played for a university, I think Lock Haven University, and they were a very scrappy physical soccer team. So he taught us how to use every ounce of our body when going into a contact or going into a tackle to make sure that the other guy knew that you wanted the ball. And so it's funny. It's I say this to every player I've ever coached in every game. When there is a 50-50 ball, you have to win that 50-50 ball. And if you don't win the ball, you want to make sure that that player that you were going up against knows that you want to win that ball. Now, this is what's comical about that in that when I was going into my senior year in high school, I was five feet tall and weighed about 85 pounds. I hit most of my growth in college. In fact, I grew through my senior year and my freshman year and into my sophomore year in college. And I'm the size I am now when I was 20 years old, right? So when I was 18, 17, 16, 15, I was like a, I was very small. So, but I learned how to play with all of my body. The other thing he said, which I carried throughout every part of my life was to be the most prepared athlete on the field. That doesn't translate into the most talented. It doesn't translate into the most skilled. What it translates into is the is that you have to do what you're strong at. You have to be the most prepared. That means you have to be the most physically fit. It means you have to work the hardest. 
That means you have to tra- practice the most. It means you have to get yourself mentally prepared. It means you have to eat right. It means you have to hydrate. It means you have to sleep better than the other guy. And really, all of that meant was anytime we went up against an opposing team, regardless of how good their record was or what their skill was, they were just kids just like us. And if we looked across at the player that we were opposing and we were more prepared than they were and we knew it, then we have already won. We have already won our individual battle. And if every player on the team wins their individual battle, even if it's psychologically, then good things are going to come and the outcomes will be there. So that little phrase that the coach has said to us back when I was in 10th grade by being the most prepared athlete on the field is something that has stuck with me for my entire life. Everything that I've endeavored to do in my entire life has been following that mantra of being the most prepared athlete on the field. I try to share that with the players that I coach. I try to share that with kids that I know. I even share that with people that I work with. So as a profession, I'm in the enterprise software business. And it is a very competitive marketplace. And there are formidable formidable, uh, companies out there and formidable fellow sales reps from other companies that I go against on a daily basis. Um, And I've always worked with my teams to say, look, here's the deal. They may have better software. They better maybe have better technology. They may, may do better marketing. But if in this opportunity, we are the most prepared athletes, meaning we do the best discovery, meaning we do the best research, meaning we are the ones that connect the best with the customer, meaning that we do everything in our power to be more prepared than our competition, then in most cases, we're going to come out in a favorable position. And that has translated into my software business, that has translated into my coaching, has a club director and club administrator, that has translated into the success of the clubs that I've run in the past, where I've had people and we've had people looking at what we were doing and reacting and responding to what we were doing, which allowed us to be a leader in the marketplace, allowed us to be disruptive. And I've had the good fortune of being in a couple of disruptive situations that have changed soccer in my local community, um, for which I'm thankful. I mean, because there have been great improvements and, and there are other clubs out there and other club leaders out there that are doing the same, that have really made the game better in our market. Sure, there's a lot that could be improved, but in the 11 or so years, 12 years that I was involved as an administrator in club soccer, I've seen tremendous growth of the sport. I've seen tremendous improvement of the clubs. I've seen much more focus on professionalism across the local community. And I'm not saying that it's because of me, but I am saying it's because of the approach that a lot of people took in the industry locally to really hold themselves accountable and really be prepared, right? So I'm telling you this or sharing this story because, you know, as an athlete, as a young athlete, as a parent of an athlete, it's very simple to outwork your opponent if you want to. And whether that's working on your weaknesses or working on your strengths, for me, I see a lot of coaches and a lot of parents asking me or asking other coaches, like, what should my son or daughter work on? What are their weaknesses that they need to work on so that they have a better chance? And 
you know, one of the other things my coach said was like, if you want to develop your left foot and you're going to practice something 10 times, let's say, it should be three times with your right foot and three and seven times with your left. Well, you can't just do three reps of anything, right? Or even seven reps of anything. So you multiply that by 10 or 20 or 30 or 100. And so when you do that repetition, you develop the muscle memory, and then you're working on your weaker foot. However, there's also something to be said that I've learned over the years myself around doing what makes you better. So if you think about an individual's brand, right? There's a big thing that's happening now, you know, of course, in the corporate world, it's happening everywhere about developing your brand. And, and, and it's important to have that brand and have that brand identity. And so as my son is now a senior in high school and has been speaking with a lot of college coaches, I heard a great um, speech from and a great talk from, you know, a division one college coach who said how important it was as for these athletes to develop their brand their identity, what they're known for, not just as a soccer player, but as a person. And so that brand is what makes you unique. And what makes you unique is your strength. So to the parent, to the athlete, asking what they can do to improve upon, I'd say this, work on what you're already good at, get better at that, and be known for that. If you look at some of the best athletes in the entire world, they work on what they're already good at. They practice what they're already good at. They take chances that they're already good at. I don't know the stats because they haven't looked them up, but there's a stat out there about how many times Michael Jordan has missed a game-winning shot, but then how many times he's won games with the last shot of the game. Because that's what he was good at. And he continued to focus on what he was good at. And he continued to focus on taking those chances, even when it wasn't always successful. So I think that's a great example of, of working on what you're good at. To go back to basketball again, Shaquille O'Neal, for any of you that have grown up sort of in the 90s and the early 2000s, the whole hack-a-shack, uh, I don't even know when it was really, but the whole hack-a-shack thing where... Everyone knew that that Shaquille O'Neal was not good at foul shooting, and so they just fouled him at the end because they knew he was going to miss. Well, guess what? Do you think he spent a lot of time working on foul shooting? He probably did, but I bet he also spent just as much time being a dominant center in the paint, right? I don't know much about basketball or the sport. I know enough about it, but I do know this. I do know that he was a player that was completely dominating in the paint under the basket. And regardless of how he did in his free throw shooting, he continued to dominate under the basket. And I'm guessing that that is what he worked on. So being the most prepared athlete on the field doesn't mean being the best. It doesn't mean having the best skills. And it doesn't necessarily mean being the most outstanding. What it does mean is that you've worked harder, you've prepared more, you've put in the time, more time, you've gotten better sleep, you've gotten better rest. Whatever it is that you can do individually to give yourself that edge over that person you're going up against, whether that's in school with your against your classmates, whether that's in a job interview, whether that's in a job for a promotion, whether that's on the sporting field, in any sport. When you can look across the table, the field, the net, the desk, and you know that you're more prepared than that person sitting across from you, you have the advantage in every area of your life. So think about things 
that you're hearing from your coaches that you can leverage and learn and use for the rest of your life. There is so much out there about how the environment of sports, youth sports, prepares athletes for life, how to work, how to drive and how to work and how to sacrifice, giving up school dances, giving up school activities to go to training, giving up time with friends to go to tournaments, right? There's a lot of sacrifice that happens as being part of youth sports, but that also then can help a person to start to understand priorities, right? And the, and the, and the path that their life takes, whether it's staying in youth sports or finding something else to do, a lot of times it has to do with what is on their hierarchy of values, whether that's putting their faith first or their family first, their fitness first, their finances first. That, that, that hierarchy of personal values drives the decisions people make. So youth sports do provide a lot of life lessons around how to work on a team, how to work with a team where you're maybe not the superstar, how to work on a, work with a team within a group of people where maybe you are a superstar and it's an opportunity to, to provide leadership capabilities. Being a leader within an organization or within a team when you're not the one that's the leader or the captain but still being a leader in your own way. All of those things are, are true life lessons in sport. So when you come across a coach that has a lesson that he's trying to deliver for your chosen sport during training or during games or how to respond to a game, think about how that applies to more than just the sport. If you're a parent and you hear that and you have that conversation, Use the opportunity to talk with your child about how that lesson that they learned will apply to their life. And hopefully, if you're lucky, as an athlete, as you become an adult, as a parent who's bringing up young athletes, or even as a coach, hopefully there's an opportunity to connect with a player or group of players where you can provide something like as simple as being the most prepared athlete on the field that someone truly, truly takes to heart and uses it as a way to lead their life. I'm super thankful for my high school coach for instilling that in me because that did help me personally. And I'm sure it's helped others. But for whatever reason, it's something that has been sticking to me probably starting in about my early 30s when I first had children is when I realized how important that lesson was and how while not even realizing it, I may have been doing it. But then when I purposefully applied the be the most prepared athlete on the field to any endeavor in which I chose to pursue, more often than not, I found success. And if I didn't find success, I sure was very competitive. So for me, that's something that I learned. And what I'm, the purpose of this podcast is to share with you, there's so much that you can learn from youth sports, but there's so much you can learn from the leaders within your youth sports that if you break it down and you internalize, can have a life-lasting impact for which hopefully those players will remember. I've never had an opportunity to share with my coach that lesson. But when he passed away, I did share with his wife the importance of that to me. And that is something that, especially after he passed away, that I carried 
forward in my life. And so if there's any endeavor today that I choose to pursue personally, my goal is to be the most prepared athlete on the field. There are others that have other mantras that they follow that they've gotten from their coaches as well. Talk to or watch any interview with a professional athlete. Maybe not today because it's a lot more about the money than it was before. But talk about people that have been successful in athletics and successful in life and the credit that they give to their coaches. That is something that, you know, most coaches never get or rarely get the credit from the players because so many coaches are worried about the credit that they're taking themselves and putting themselves out there as the ones that were achievers while it wasn't them, but it was the leadership they had to the team that allowed the team to succeed. But there are opportunities for tremendous influence in a young person's life as a coach that as a coach, be careful what you say or be very mindful of what you say. Think about the opportunity in the moment that you're in where your words can have a lifelong impact to the positive or to the negative. As an athlete, listen to what the coach is saying, but try to understand their meaning because that is really important. And as a parent, have conversations with your athletes, not about the game or who did what, but about what they learned about that game, what they learned about what the coach had to say, what they learned about that experience, whether it's a positive experience or a negative experience. Talk to them about what they learned and start to have your child think about the life lesson in it. I would argue that if you discussed with your child the lesson that they learned from a victory or from a loss, instead of focusing on what happened in the X's and the O's, because let's face it, it's a reactionary thing that happens in youth sports, regardless of the preparation. And to break down the X's and the O's in any sport endeavor, in any competition is, is pointless. You could say that you could use that to prepare for the next time, but you could also ask yourself, why did that happen? Was there something in our preparation that led to that? Was there something that I could have done different to prepare for that that led to that? Not just that it happened, but maybe my role in it. So parents, speak about the life lessons or the lessons that are learned, positive and negative in those environments, and speak with your kid about that and, and what they can do from that to grow versus the actual outcome. So that's all I have today. I'm not sure what it's been on my mind with my uh, that lesson that I learned from my former coach. It's been on my mind lately for the last several weeks, and I'm really not sure what has inspired it, but I felt compelled to share because... There's so much that's going on in youth sports. There are so many people that are in it for the wrong reasons, although there's so many people that are in it for the right reason. And as a parent or as a player, or even as a coach, the people that you decide to associate with or to put your trust in, in a lot of cases, you may not necessarily have the time to do the due diligence and you have to go with your gut. But I will tell you one thing. There is a lot to be learned regardless of your situation. So instead of getting so caught up in results and so caught up in the day-to-day and the drama, think about the life lessons that's learned and share that. So again, that's all I have for you today. Thank you for those that are listening and tuning in. Feel free to share this with others who you think may benefit from this message or any messages. And again, thank you again for supporting the Coach Rich Rants podcast. I will talk to you later. Thank you.